Welcome back to the third and final podcast of the Intercultural Learning Seminar of the Council of Europe. You will listen to Ingrid Ramberg from the Multicultural Center in Bodköker in Sweden. She is the general rapporteur and summarizes the main findings of the seminar, hoping that everyone is comfortably confused. Thank you. Intercultural learning in European youth work. The topic of this seminar is formulated in a way that ends with a question. Which ways forward? And as we split this afternoon, some of us to go on to a next meeting in this building, others travelling home. I wonder about this question, whether it's been answered. Which ways forward? Are we more informed than we were yesterday morning, or maybe only more confused. And either way, is this good or is it bad? I'll borrow one of the examples from um, Steve from yesterday and ask that if we know to a 70% level what intercultural was all about as we came and leave the thinking that we know maybe 30%? Is this then a failure or is it a success? As I prepared these words of conclusion, I asked myself in relation to this, what will you bring back from this seminar to your field of work at home? Is it a feeling of freedom, finally being able to reflect a feeling of frustration. How do I apply this to my everyday context? Or a feeling of fear. Never ever will I be able to touch upon these tricky subjects again. And I find it meaningful to ask these questions because I think there is reason for you to be very proud of your collective achievements. In the exchange of thoughts over the last two days, I think you've touched upon things that have a great potential to reduce confusion without reducing the complexity of the issues we're dealing with. It was explicitly said in the invitation that the outcome of this venue was not defined beforehand. And in response to this open field, so to say, you've structured your topic in a very constructive way, I would say. So therefore, the question to me now is more of how do we go about so that the results of this seminar take us forward in a direction that we can believe in? Before going into the points that I would like to make, I have a short quantitative reflection over the seminar itself. On the division of time, I must say that I liked very much how some well-chosen, comprehensive and yet short introductory lectures were followed by long exchanges of reflections and questions and answers. Very nice. And on the division of the floor, I found it brilliant that so many people have shared thoughts and concerns and that so many have added to the general picture. Because when you talk about the practice carried out on so many hands, and in so many different ways, 
it's vital that it's reflected through many voices. So congratulations to all of you for having been so active, so sharing, so present. And now to four points that are my suggestion on what to put in the basket as we summarize the outcome of the seminar. And my first point would concern what I would call the time factor. Hendrik Otten, he centered his intervention around his 10 theses from 1997. He could have ordered them as a recipe. They're tested, they're approved of, and they're widely used. But he didn't say that. Instead, he pointed to the need for revision, saying that this map is outdated. We can still build on it, but only after thorough reflection. The white paper on intercultural dialogue that was available here earlier on today has the same point of departure, by the way. It reports a sense among stakeholders that, I quote, old approaches to the management of cultural diversity are no longer adequate to contemporary societies. So my point would be the following. Departing from an existing paper, Henry Cotton's, and commenting upon its updating is interesting, both for the contents of the suggestions, but still more maybe in that it exemplifies a method and an attitude, the need for recurrent reflection. And the description of this venue as being the starting point of a process rather than an isolated event interplays very nicely with this approach. Now, my second point would be the language factor, as I call it, because this has been a monolingual seminar. No translators, no headsets, no running around. But this monolingual character of the seminar is an illusion. There is a tremendous lot of translation taking place under the surface and at many levels. On the spot in that many of us listen and translate what we hear of presentations of other input to our own first languages. And then again, if we want to comment or ask, we over again have to formulate what we want to say in another language than English. And beyond this, there is also the long-term task of translating theory to practice, the Budapest setting into everyday one. How do I transmit this and make it meaningful to the young people that I work with? Somebody asked yesterday, and I think that was a very good question that will come up in many of us in due time. If this seminar had been bilingual in, say, English, French or English, Russian, some difficulties would have disappeared, but much would have remained equally complicated. Different mother tongues, different contexts, different focuses, different experiences. All these are factors that do complicate interaction. But instead of seeing only the shortcomings, diversity, as we know, is also an asset. 
And how then, one could ask, in this particular context? Well, since we are discussing vague concepts, concepts in need of interpretation, an interpretation long before there's any talk of translation, precisely for this reason we could profit enormously from the linguistic diversity that is at our collective disposal. Like Susan Shomali did yesterday when she commented upon the concept of tolerance from an Arabic-speaking point of view. What connotations does a certain concept have in this or that language? I think that systematic investigations of this kind could be very helpful in getting a more in-depth understanding of the key concept that intercultural learning is centred around. Thirdly now, I'm thinking of the issue of how we define our scope. The concepts we discuss, share and make use of in intercultural learning, they are not random. They reflect a certain view of what is important and what is problematic. And Gavin Titley, who just left us in his presentation, invited us to a very challenging sort of mental bungee jump when he put into question both which concepts and keywords we focus on and which dimensions of human interaction and coexistence that are consequently made invisible. I think Gavin did something very important in that he reminded us about how our practice, or any practice, reflects a certain interpretation of the world. He also pointed out two fields within intercultural learning where he saw particular shortcomings, the educational and the political. And his input, I believe, will help us not to forget, not to overlook these dimensions. But I don't think, however, that this broader ideological dimension is altogether absent in the outset. Because it could not possibly not be ideological when intercultural learning to many players in European youth work represents, as Rui Gomes said in his introduction, and I'm quoting again, the maximum common denominator between human rights education, anti-racist education, international cooperation and a sense for social justice. And much in line with this, Teresa Cunha underlined the need to address both historical and contemporary matters in relation to equality and justice. It's also worth mentioning that the white paper, again, on intercultural dialogue, as is stated in its draft version, inevitably, quote, ventures beyond the cultural into the economic and social domains. As my fourth and last point or suggestion for good thinking to bring back home, I'd like to point to the discussion brought up by Steve Powell in making evaluation a tool for reflection and growth. <coughs> the examples of evaluation that Steve introduced to us were in themselves very interesting. But I would like to put emphasis here on how these evaluations were introduced to us by him. 
Steve said something highly important about results, answers if you like. Don't be afraid of things or facts or statements that you can't write in stone. Allow yourself to make tentative judgments. Because if you don't dare to draw preliminary conclusions, others will and they may be less to the point than you could have been. He then said something in my interpretation equally important about questions arisen in relation to evaluations. Having an evaluation as a starting point for a discussion paves the way for truly very advanced questions and discussions. The meaning of concepts, the interpretation of outcomes and anything in between. To my mind, what he actually did was to open common ground for academics and practitioners to meet for mutually rewarding exchange. I'll finish here in the hope that you feel comfortably confused with the outcome of this two-day seminar and at the same time infused with new energy to continue partaking in the future development of the field of intercultural learning. Thanks for your attention. Thank <laughs> you.